Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Hear now the word of God. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David, that is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is sure, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of this and warn them before God that they are to avoid wrangling over words, which does no good but only ruins those who are listening. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, If you like... I am a convert to the Cumberland Presbyterian denomination. One of the most famous Cumberland Presbyterian phrases is, whosoever will. You can get it on t-shirts and on mugs, which is weird because it's from a really nerdy place. It's from our confession of faith. Who takes something from their constitution and thinks, I'm going to put that on a t-shirt? We do. It's been modernized in the newest edition, and what it, it reads like this, God, in creating persons, gives them the capacity and freedom to respond to divine grace and loving obedience. Therefore, whoever will may be saved. Whoever will may be saved. That's something we believe. God gives everyone the capacity and the freedom to respond to the grace of Jesus and the Holy Spirit with loving obedience. We are all able, so whoever wills, whoever desires, whoever wants to be saved, they can. They can choose to respond. God didn't choose in advance, some for heaven and some for hell. As Cumberland Presbyterians, we believe that we have all been given the freedom and the capacity to choose God. And it's on us to make the choice. Which is why the confession of faith goes on. Because of their God-given nature, persons are responsible for their choices and actions toward God, each other, and the world. Sin doesn't make us do things. We choose sin. The world doesn't make us do things. We choose the world. And we could choose God instead. Whoever wills to be saved can be saved. God gives us this choice. It's why we do confirmation. We don't believe your parents' choice can save you. I had to choose. You had to choose. My daughter will have to choose. My salvation is my will. And your salvation is your will. And her salvation is her will. And God gives us the capacity to make that choice. And God calls each of us to follow. But then each of us is responsible for making our decision. So Christianity, at its heart, has this individual effort, this choice. My choice is mine, 
and yours is yours. But this letter to Timothy says there is something more. It says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. The so that in the second half is so that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. It's their choice. They have to choose the salvation. But evidently, I can do something about it. Just a little earlier in this letter, Paul writes to Timothy and says, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier on active duty gets entangled in the business of daily life so he can focus on his commander. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. And the hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Because Paul is never content with one metaphor. Paul is talking about soldiers going into combat to complete a mission and then about an athlete running a race and then farmers harvesting a crop, hard work, sacrifice, even suffering. And then he says, Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect so that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. So that they might obtain it. That's the mission. It's the race. It's the harvest. Not just our salvation, not just our choice, but helping other people find this salvation too. Helping them obtain it. Experience it. Watching God explode into their life with freedom and joy and newness of life. It's our privilege. It's our goal. Our mission to be a part of that. In this letter, it says you get involved in other people's lives sometimes at the risk to reputation or fortune or job, not because your salvation depends on it. Not because your salvation depends on it. Because of theirs. Not because it will make our lives easier. In fact, when you believe in God, sometimes that's when your trouble starts. One day Jesus said to his disciples, get into the boat and go to the other side. And they did what he said, and they hit a storm. A boat-crushing storm. It wasn't because they disobeyed that they hit the storm. It was because they obeyed that they were in the storm. Believing in God means putting yourself in situations that may cause you to say, why did I do that? You see, because of their faith, some people have stopped the mouths of lions and they have won wars and they have raised the dead and they have had every kind of triumph in the world. But the reason their head was in a lion's mouth was because of following God. Many people, many upon many, because of their faith in our God, have suffered. And they were willing to that others might obtain salvation. 
in this letter to Timothy, Timothy who is a young pastor, Timothy who is younger than I am, Paul tells him, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, that is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to the point of being chained like a criminal. The gospel didn't save Paul from chains, it's the reason he's in them. Brothers and sisters, we can't be misled about how this story goes. Faith is not just a success story. Faith is a story that says, I take this, as a way of life. I will endure the suffering. I will risk the lions that others might obtain salvation. Philip Reef once observed at the University of Chicago, any church or any preacher who keeps on preaching the cross is not going to grow. The preacher will not be a success and the church will not grow because in our culture, what we are interested in is success, not sacrifice. Which is why you will find lots of churches without one of those. Because our culture is obsessed with the illusion that you can have success without sacrifice. But in the church we know that success passes through sacrifice. From the very beginning. From the very beginning, the Christian way of life was not to be successful. We get salvation, we are set free, but not just to enjoy the freedom. We are set free to go back and lead others into freedom with us. To help others obtain the salvation. It's a way of life built on sacrifice. It's a way of life built around a man who died on a cross out of love. It's a way of life that begs us to follow God because in following Him we will encounter something beyond, something that saves, something so profound it will change our definition of success. Like Timothy, who didn't count it a loss to sacrifice his glory years, his youth, his time to be free, to do what he'd like. He gave that up for Christ that others might obtain salvation. Like Paul, who went from being a prominent and respected Pharisee to being kicked out of synagogues. He gave up his status and his titles and his fame that he might be thrown in prisons and driven out of towns that others might obtain salvation. These men lost. They lost a lot. But what they gained was so profound that they counted all they lost as gain And all they wanted was for others to obtain salvation as well. So what? What are we willing to do that others might obtain salvation? How far are we willing to go? Because people need it. People outside the church need to know who Christ is and people in the church, in our pews, in our families, they need to feel Him again. They need to receive the salvation again, the blessings and the peace and the comfort. They need to feel it again. What are the lines we draw? How far would we go to help others obtain salvation? How badly do we want them to obtain it? What would we give? What would we sacrifice that they might have this newness, this abundance the very presence of God, how far would we go? Is one question. How badly we want it. But there's another. What would it take? What do they need? 
I was reading the journals of Kierkegaard because that's the kind of person I am. Thank you, John. He lived in the 1840s and the 1850s in Copenhagen, Denmark. He's one of the pictures of old white dudes you see with the crazy Einstein hair. He was that kind of person. Brilliant, but a weird duck. And above all, he was concerned that Christians had forgotten what it meant to follow Christ. Like a group that thought being a basketball team meant wearing a jersey, but then never playing basketball. And in one of his journals, he tells a story of a girl with a beggar's basket. And she was leading three musicians down the street begging for money. And the musicians were blind. And they were trained classically and they were playing Mozart and Beethoven, profound music bouncing off the walls and the cobblestones. And around them gathered a crowd of street people. They didn't have any money for the beggars, but if they had, they would have given it to them. And down the street, clattering their carriages, went those who had money but had no desire to stop and listen to these beggars on their way to the evening's entertainment. And Kierkegaard wrote in his journal, there are two kinds of people in the world. Those who are willing but cannot, and those who are able but will not. Which is tragic, really. So often those with the desperate and earnest desire to help lack the means. They lack the skills or the time or the resources. And those with the time and the resources and the skills, they lack the desire to help. And as long as they remain in those two groups, things won't change. It will be a car without gas, an air conditioner that's not plugged in, words with no one to speak them. It's tragic, really. How often those with the means lack the desire and those with the desire lack the means. Tragic that, as Kierkegaard says, there are just two kinds of people in the world, those who are willing but cannot and those who are able but will not. Except that Kierkegaard is wrong. There are three kinds of people in the world. Those who are willing but cannot and those who are able but will not. And then there are people like you. Those who are willing and will. And I've seen it. And I felt it. That you will sacrifice that others might obtain salvation. So for you, I give thanks. Because today, this task is as urgent as it has ever been. This morning, Kevin and Shannon Dukes and Eddie Sisko are driving to Mayo Clinic looking for answers for Kevin. And who will walk with them through whatever answers come? Who will pray with them? We will. And this morning, Jimmy Bergman, who is grieving the passing of his brother, who will support him? Who will comfort him? Who will walk with him? We will. We will. In all the trials that life brings as a family of faith, we will. In our confirmation class, usually hiding on the back row, four young men deciding to follow Christ in a world that asks them to follow anything else and will offer them salvation by any other means, who will help them obtain salvation? 
who will help them understand, who will help them reach out and grasp it and not let go, who will step out in this dark world that others might obtain salvation. It's you. Those who can. Those who will. And so for you, I give thanks. For you, I give thanks. Let us pray. Lord, you have blessed this congregation in so many ways. This congregation is able, able to make an impact in this world, able to make a difference in people's lives. And I give you thanks that they are willing to. So we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, that you would give us eyes to see, courage to go, understanding of what needs to be done, and Lord, a desire to do it, that we might be a light in the darkness that we might be comfort, that we might pray, that we might walk again and again into what is broken in the world, proclaiming that through you, through you, salvation shall come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.